Volume One, Chapter Fourteen of the Marble Faun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Marble Faun by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Volume One, Chapter Fourteen. Cleopatra. My new statue said kenyon who had positively forgotten it in the thought of hilda here it is under this veil not a nude figure i hope observed miriam every young sculptor seems to think that he must give the world some specimen of indecorous womanhood and call it eve venus a nymph or any name that may apologize for a lack of decent clothing i am weary even more than i am ashamed of seeing such things nowadays people are as good as born in their clothes and there is practically not a new human being in existence an artist therefore as you must candidly confess cannot sculpture nudity with a pure heart if only because he is compelled to steal guilty glimpses at hired models the marble inevitably loses its chastity under such circumstances an old greek sculptor no doubt found his models in the open sunshine and among pure and princely maidens and thus the nude statues of antiquity are as modest as violets and sufficiently draped in their own beauty but as for mr gibson's coloured venuses stained i believe with tobacco juice and all other nudities of to-day i really do not understand what they have to say to this generation and would be glad to see as many heaps of quicklime in their stead you are severe upon the professors of my art said kenyon half smiling half seriously not that you are wholly wrong either we are bound to accept drapery of some kind and make the best of it but what are we to do must we adopt the costume of to-day and carve for example a venus in a hoop petticoat that would be a bolder indeed rejoined miriam laughing but the difficulty goes to confirm me in my belief that except for portrait busts sculpture has no longer a right to claim any place among living arts it has wrought itself out and come fairly to an end there is never a new group nowadays never even so much as a new attitude greenoff i take my examples among men of merit imagine nothing new nor crawford either except in the tailoring line there are not as you will own more than half a dozen positively original statues or groups in the world and these few are of immemorial antiquity a person familiar with the vatican the uffizi gallery the naples gallery and the louvre will at once refer any modern production to its antique prototype which moreover had begun to get out of fashion even in old roman days pray stop miriam cried kenyon or i shall fling away the chisel for ever fairly own to me then my friend rejoined miriam whose disturbed mind found a certain relief in this declamation that you sculptors are of necessity the greatest plagiarists in the world i do not own it said kenyon 
yet cannot utterly contradict you as regards the actual state of the art but as long as the carrara quarries still yield pure blocks and while my own country has marble mountains probably as fine in quality i shall steadfastly believe that future sculptors will revive this noblest of the beautiful arts and people the world with new shapes of delicate grace and massive grandeur perhaps he added smiling mankind will consent to wear a more manageable costume or at worst we sculptors shall get the skill to make broadcloth transparent and render a majestic human character visible through the coats and trousers of the present day be it so said miriam you are past my counsel show me the veiled figure which i am afraid i have criticized beforehand to make amends i am in the mood to praise it now but as kenyon was about to take the cloth off the clay model she laid her hand on his arm tell me first what is the subject said she for i have sometimes incurred great displeasure from members of your brotherhood by being too obtuse to puzzle out the purport of their productions it is so difficult you know to compress and define a character or story and make it patent at a glance within the narrow scope attainable by sculpture indeed i fancy it is still the ordinary habit with sculptors first to finish their group of statuary in such development as the particular block of marble will allow and then to choose the subject as john of bologna did with his rape of the sabines have you followed that good example no my statue is intended for cleopatra replied kenyon a little disturbed by miriam's raillery the special epoch of her history you must make out for yourself he drew away the cloth that had served to keep the moisture of the clay model from being exhaled the sitting figure of a woman was seen she was draped from head to foot in a costume minutely and scrupulously studied from that of ancient egypt as revealed by the strange sculptor of that country its coins drawings painted mummy cases and whatever other tokens have been dug out of its pyramids graves and catacombs even the stiff egyptian headdress was adhered to but had been softened into a rich feminine adornment without losing a particle of its truth difficulties that might well have seemed insurmountable had been courageously encountered and made flexible to purposes of grace and dignity so that cleopatra sat attired in a garb proper to her historic and queenly state as a daughter of the ptolemies and yet such as the beautiful woman would have put on as best adapted to height the magnificence of her charms and kindle a tropic fire in the cold eyes of octavius a marvellous repose that rare merit in statuary except it be the lumpish repose native to the block of stone was diffused throughout the figure the spectator felt that cleopatra had sunk down out of the fever and turmoil of her life and for one instant as it were between two pulse throbs had relinquished all activity and was resting throughout every vein and muscle it was the repose of despair indeed for octavius had seen her and remained insensible to her enchantments 
but still there was a great smouldering furnace deep down in the woman's heart the repose no doubt was as complete as if she were never to stir hand or foot again and yet such was the creature's latent energy and fierceness she might spring upon you like a tigress and stop the very breath that you were now drawing midway in your throat the face was a miraculous success the sculptor had not shunned to give the full nubian lips and other characteristics of the egyptian physiognomy his courage and integrity had been abundantly rewarded for cleopatra's beauty shone out richer warmer more triumphantly beyond comparison than if shrinking timidly from the truth he had chosen the tame grecian type the expression was of profound gloomy heavily revolving thought a glance into her past life and present emergencies while her spirit gathered itself up for some new struggle or was getting sternly reconciled to impending doom in one view there was a certain softness and tenderness how breathed into the statue among so many strong and passionate elements it is impossible to say catching another glimpse you beheld her as implacable as a stone and cruel as fire in a word all cleopatra fierce voluptuous passionate tender wicked terrible and full of poisonous and rapturous enchantment was kneaded into what only a week or two before had been a lump of wet clay from the tiber soon apotheosized in an indestructible material she would be one of the images that men keep for ever finding a heat in them which does not cool down throughout the centuries what a woman is this exclaimed miriam after a long pause tell me did she ever try even while you were creating her to overcome you with her fury or her love were you not afraid to touch her as she grew more and more towards hot life beneath your hand my dear friend it is a great work how have you learned to do it it is the concretion of a good deal of thought emotion and toil of brain and hand said kenyon not without a perception that his work was good but i know not how it came about at last i kindled a great fire within my mind and threw in the material as aaron threw the gold of the israelites into the furnace and in the midmost heat uprose cleopatra as you see her what i most marvel at said miriam is the womanhood that you have so thoroughly mixed up with all those seemingly discordant elements where did you get that secret you never found it in your gentle hilda yet i recognize its truth no surely it was not in hilda said kenyon her womanhood is of the ethereal type and incompatible with any shadow of darkness or evil you are right rejoined miriam there are women of that ethereal type as you term it and hilda is one of them she would die of her first wrongdoing supposing for a moment that she could be capable of doing wrong of sorrow slender as she seems hilda might bear a great burden of sin not a feather's weight methinks now were it my doom i could bear either or both at once 
but my conscience is still as white as hilda's do you question it heaven forbid miriam exclaimed the sculptor he was startled at the strange turn which she had so suddenly given to the conversation her voice too so much emotion was stifled rather than expressed in it sounded unnatural oh my friend cried she with sudden passion will you be my friend indeed i am lonely 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 there is a secret in my heart that burns me that tortures me sometimes i fear to go mad of it sometimes i hope to die of it but neither of the two happens ah if i could but whisper it to only one human soul and you you see far into womanhood you receive it widely into your large view perhaps perhaps but heaven only knows you might understand me oh let me speak miriam dear friend replied the sculptor if i can help you speak freely as to a brother help me no said miriam kenyon's response had been perfectly frank and kind and yet the subtlety of miriam's emotion detected a certain reserve and alarm in his warmly expressed readiness to hear her story in his secret soul to say the truth the sculptor doubted whether it were well for this poor suffering girl to speak what she so yearned to say or for him to listen if there were any active duty of friendship to be performed then indeed he would joyfully have come forward to do his best but if it were only a pent-up heart that sought an outlet in that case it was by no means so certain that a confession would do good the more her secret struggled and fought to be told the more certain would it be to change all former relations that had subsisted between herself and the friend to whom she might reveal it unless he could give her all the sympathy and just the kind of sympathy that the occasion required miriam would hate him by and by and herself still more if he let her speak this was what kenyon said to himself but his reluctance after all and whether he were conscious of it or no resulted from a suspicion that had crept into his heart and lay there in a dark corner obscure as it was when miriam looked into his eyes she detected it at once ah i shall hate you cried she echoing the thought which he had not spoken she was half choked with a gush of passion that was thus turned back upon her you are as cold and pitiless as your own marble no but full of sympathy god knows replied he in truth his suspicions however warranted by the mystery in which miriam was enveloped had vanished in the earnestness of his kindly and sorrowful emotion he was now ready to receive her trust keep your sympathy then for sorrows that admit of such solace said she making a strong effort to compose herself as for my griefs i know how to manage them it was all a mistake you can do nothing for me unless you petrify me into a marble companion for your cleopatra there 
and i am not of her sisterhood i do assure you forget this foolish scene my friend and never let me see a reference to it in your eyes when they meet mine hereafter since you desire it all shall be forgotten answered the sculptor pressing her hands as she departed or if ever i can serve you let my readiness to do so be remembered meanwhile dear miriam let us meet in the same clear friendly light as heretofore you are less sincere than i thought you said miriam if you try to make me think that there will be no change as he attended her through the antechamber she pointed to the statue of the pearl diver my secret is not a pearl said she yet a man may drown himself in plunging after it after kenyon had closed the door she went wearily down the staircase but paused midway as if debating with herself whether to return the mischief was done thought she and i might as well have had the solace that ought to come with it i have lost by staggering a little way beyond the mark in the blindness of my distress i have lost as we shall hereafter find the genuine friendship of this clear-minded honourable true-hearted young man and all for nothing what if i should go back this moment and compel him to listen she ascended two or three of the stairs but again paused murmured to herself and shook her head no 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 she thought and i wonder how i ever came to dream of it unless i had his heart for my own and that is hilda's nor would i steal it from her it should never be the treasure place of my secret it is no precious pearl as i just now told him but my dark red carbuncle red as blood is too rich a gem to put into a stranger's casket she went down the stairs and found her shadow waiting for her in the street end of chapter 14 of volume 1 read by lars rolander